Welcome everyone to episode 90-90 of A Play on Nerds. Zero. Wow, we've gotten far. Man, Uh, that's incredible. I am one of your co-hosts, Jarman. And I'm the other co-host, Steve. And we're here to co-host the hell out of this. (laughs) We are. And in honor of uh, the release of Black Panther this weekend, we are going to take a little bit of a dive into the history of black superheroes and them being the stars of films. And in that same vein, we're going to be talking about the great classic film from the (laughs) 90s, The Meteor Man. The Meteor Man. (laughs) Uh, Because Black Panther is getting a lot of credit. uh, And mind you, it is in the current age, a huge thing to have a huge African-American cast. Right. Um, but there, a lot, it's getting a lot of credit for something that someone else did in a movie called Meteor Man that we are going to discuss. And I'm very excited to get into it. Right. It's pretty much the first movie of the modern era that features a, a black superhero character as the lead character. So it's, it's pretty cool. It paved a lot and of the ground. Enti- and the entire cast for that matter. So that's true. It, also groundbreaking. We're going to talk about it. I'm stoked. <laughs> Not the best movie in the world, but we're going to talk about it. <laughs> hey, but we're going to talk about it. It's so good. It's so fun. Fun movie. We'll get into it. Absolutely. So what have you been up to since our last episode? Uh, So Anne and I got her mom to come babysit and we went out and we had our first date night. Oh, nice. In six months. Oh, goodness. Uh, We went, took some gift certificates that we got for Christmas and we went to Outback Steakhouse. Very nice. We had a nice romantic dinner and ate steaks and salads and a blue onion. Uh, (laughs) Just a whole one. It had to go. Oh, yeah. Um. And then went and met some friends, had some beers, played some cards. Nice. Uh, and then Anna woke up at like 4 a.m., just dog sick. Oh, no. Um, From alcohol? And has, no. <laughs> um, so we thought it was food poisoning, which typically comes and goes quickly. And it kind of lingered and kept going. And we went to the dock, and they did stomach ultrasound stuff and didn't find anything. It did blood work, didn't find anything. And so basically they're like, yeah, it's, there's this terrible flu. It's like ransacking Northern California yeah. that has like a two week run. Jeez. So Anna's on day 10 and they're like, it just sucks. You have to deal with the symptoms while it passes. That's terrible. Yeah. So uh, we're just living through that and getting her better and helping her rest as much as she can. I just hope you and the baby don't get it. I mean, there's been no sign of either of us getting it so far. So, so far, so good. That's good. Jeez. Uh, but what, what have you been up to? She's been through a lot lately. <laughs> Poor girl. <laughs> yeah, she's been through some stuff. I, we just want her to be well. Uh, for me, I've just been actually trying to get back on the wagon of being um, uh, going to the gym and getting back in shape. And Ooh, I've ripped. Yeah. And I found some great ways to do that for my nerdy, like OCD personality. Uh, I'm using two apps on my phone religiously. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is called Fit Notes. And that one basically has a library of exercises in there. And you basically keep track of everything you're doing when you're working out. Um, mm-hmm. down to like how many reps and how much weight you're doing. And so that way you kind of keep track week to week what you're doing. Okay, cool. And then on top of that, I got my fitness pal. My girlfriend found it first and it is great. And it's uh, basically you put in every single thing you put in your mouth, you put in that app 
and hmm. they organize it by meal and by snacks and then you can make new categories and uh, they have every restaurant you could go to you can search that restaurant on the menu and you can find that thing and it knows exactly nice. how many calories and how many carbohydrates it has and uh, and then you put in your exercise in that app as well and then it, it tells you generally how many calories you burned and it counts that against the calories you're supposed to have for the day so I love following along with all this it's great and so you, right. you can also friend your friends on there who are on the app. So girlfriend, the girlfriend and I are on there keeping track of each other and watching what we're eating and making fun of each other when we eat something bad. And, you know, and so everyone know, can know when Glenn eats a whole cheesecake in shame. <laughs> exactly. Everyone can know. And I ate one meal from Olive Garden. It was like a Alfredo pasta. It was uh-huh. 1,100 calories just for oh, that. anything anything with a cream sauce is just going to kill you. It was terrible, but that was our, our cheat days. We were basically on the weekends when she comes back into town, we just kind of eat whatever the hell we want. And then and during, oh, that's nice. So one week of just doing exercise every day and eating well, I lost seven pounds in one week. That's killer. It's ridiculous. And then also no beer. That helps a lot too. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, that's going to do it. Yeah. But it's great for nerds and people who are OCD like me. It, it really helps me stick to it, having these apps, keeping track of everything. And I love the preciseness of it. So I, I recommend that. It gives you something to obsess over. So that's good. Exactly. <laughs> that's what you need sometimes. Yep. So that's been me for uh, just be working and doing that. So uh, that's and some D&D now and then. Oh, yeah. So we uh, my D&D group met on Sunday and like 15 minutes before we started, a guy called out. Oh, man. And we already had another two, another call out the two people that couldn't be there. And so it just got to a point where it was like, we can't run with three. No, you can't at that point. Uh, but then through a turn of events, this guy ended up leaving the group like just completely. <laughs> and I was thinking about, I was like anybody who like lets a whole group of people know 15 minutes before an event that they're not coming. Didn't really want to come. Yeah. That sucks. Like it's just, uh, it's just the reality. He was looking for a way out. Jeez. It sucks to lose. Uh, but yeah, it's okay. We're regrouping. We're deciding how we're going to proceed, but we we do have a few good, dedicated people that really do want to play. Yeah, for people out there who don't play D anD D, it's just it becomes this like brotherhood sisterhood thing where you're just basically a f- tightly knit family group that has to all meet together, and you don't want anybody to miss because then their character doesn't get the same experiences that, that you got to have, and it just it means it starts to mean a lot to you. You know, it's like a it's a social gathering too. It's a way to have social activity. And yeah, and for me, as you know, I spend most of my weekends at home with a wife and kid, and so having a weekend night once every other week yeah where i can go and nerd out and push up my glasses and it feels good roll roll dice and slay dragons it just feels great yeah i agree it's a good outlet well good sounds like you had a good and productive couple weeks absolutely i guess that takes us on to some nerdy news nerdy news it's time for nerdy news So what you got for us this episode? So I was working on a title. It's always the struggle. <laughs> and only one title could really do the two stories I have to present justice. Mm-hmm. And so I present to you, Who Run the World, Girls? <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> that is just the worst, right? Well, too bad. It's, a, it's been recorded now. Oh, it's not your ringtone now uh, off my phone. <laughs> so the slough, tr- the slough crayfish. Mm-hmm. which is native to Florida and Georgia, uh, was brought over to Europe in like the late 60s, early 70s during, uh, to fill fish tanks during like the big indoor fish tank craze that kind of happened, where that swept. That was a thing. Uh, <laughs> and somewhere along the way in Germany, uh, a female was born 
that had an extra set of genes, three sets of genes instead of two, and suddenly began able to clone itself. What? And make hundreds of other female crayfish <laughs> who then grew up and matured and then made hundreds of more female crayfish. Oh, geez. So the problem is people had these in their fish tanks. It became very, very popular. Um, but the problem is people would buy them and then they'd make little baby crayfish and then they would dump them into streams and rivers to get rid of them. <laughs> oh, God. So these crayfish have just taken over parts of Europe and made it as far as Madagascar they've been found. Yikes. Uh, and the issue is, is that these cra- in this specific type of crayfish, uh, original species, the female is larger and more dominant. And so the problem is you have all these large dominant females just destroying crayfish populations. <laughs> now, are they edible? Like, could they be like maybe like, hunted more or collected more? Uh, they they are known for being large. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how large that equates to. Or like how can they eat them, though? Like, are they edible? Like, are they tasty? Probably. I mean, crawfish are edible in Louisiana and, and Georgia and in the South. Well, I can't imagine not. Well, these are, you said crayfish, though. Yeah. Crayfish or crawfish? I think they're the same thing. Are they? Yes. Uh, my fish knowledge isn't up to par. I don't know. <laughs> crayfish and crawfish are just two, they're the same thing. Okay, they're gotcha. Synonymous. So, yeah, they could just uh, use this like giant population yeah, to help fun. feed populations. Uh, so, yeah, so just some crazy females be repopulating and destroying the world. Life. Uh, finds a way. Uh, and then ants, which are almost all predominantly female, uh, ants and aphids have this really cool relationship. It's symbiotic in nature, where aphids eat the plants and produce this this nectar. They they basically shit the sweet stuff that ants just can't get enough of. <laughs> and so, in exchange, the ants protect them from predators and keep them safe. Hmm, that's pretty neat. So, what they found is that there are these two types of aphids, red and green. And when there are no ants, the red, the red dominates and the green becomes a very, very small part of the population because the red just breeds faster and stronger. But when they are with ants, the ants keep an even population of reds and greens. So, so scientists were looking and saying, well, what are the ants doing? Uh, so the, they, after watching them, they found out that uh, the ants prefer the green shit <laughs> to the red shit. Uh, but then the question becomes, why don't they just get rid of all the reds and have all greens that way they love to eat? Well, reds are beneficial for the plants. Mm. So the ants, in some way, know that they have to keep an equal balance to reward themselves, but to also invest in their future. That's crazy. It's just insane. Ants are, do so many crazy things, too. Like they're they are, so they're actively hurting and cultivating another creature. We do that. That's nuts. Yeah. And it's their intricate systems of, you know, tunnels and the queen mentality and all that jazz. Like, it's, it's nuts. It's all nuts. It's all nuts. But yeah. Who, who, who runs the world, girls? <laughs> <laughs> well, my story I called AI Can't Find Love. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Okay. I don't know what this is, but I'm so excited. <laughs> so, this is in honor of Valentine's Day, which by the time you're listening, this might be the day or so after Valentine's Day. But, uh, Janelle Shane, who's a PhD student in electrical engineering at the University of California, San Diego. Uh, she's trying to make an AI neural network, okay. uh, which can generate phrases about different things. She did, um, one that had superhero names, Christmas carol names, pickup lines, and even recipes. Uh, but now in order, on her Valentine's day, she wanted to see if she could make it, uh, generate 
the phrases that go on those little Valentine's Day hearts that we sell, at least a lot of in America. I don't know about abroad. Oh, yeah, I know. We all got them in middle school. They, they taste terrible, but they're they're fun. So a few OK ones came out first from the automated AI generation. It said, Dear Me, uh, Love Bot, and My Bear. So not great, but kind of confusing, but OK. <laughs> a, a, a valiant effort. Good, good An try. attempt was made. And then it got a little worse. Uh, all Hover, Oog Love, Pinaface, Swolmat, Bog Love, I Honker, Tweet Up Bat, and Whirly Oot. And then it got even. I don't know. <laughs> I'm digging oog love. Oog love. Oog love. <laughs> so then it got even worse. It started getting a little dirty and strange. Okay, uh, I'm excited now. The AI then said stank love, sweat poo, time to wank, <laughs> piss me, meat mate, and wet min. <laughs> I think I think sweat poo was my favorite of that. Sweat bunch. poo. <laughs> <laughs> so basically Oog, love, I don't think we have to worry about AI overlords taking us over anytime soon they can't even make Valentine's Day candy <laughs> uh, but not yet someday though not yet so someday that has they'll... been AI can't find love <laughs> uh, Oog, love. Sweat, poo. sweat poo time to wank <laughs> <laughs> If I got that on one of those hearts, I'd be stoked. I'd be like, all right, babe. Cool. <laughs> all right. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that's been nerdy news for you folks. That's right. Step into the spotlight. Uh, so now we're going to kind of kind of bring back a segment we've done before uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. We did a segment called Five and Aficionado, where we sought to educate you, our listeners, on just one small thing so that you didn't make a fool of yourself in that one small thing. We took about five minutes to do so. This time we're going to take about 10 minutes to do a 10 minute aficionado about everything you need to know about Black Panther. Damn right. Uh, because I feel like there's there's been a lot of backstory, and heck, all the other heroes have had multiple movies to develop, and Black Panther's really getting his second shot to really, and his first major shot to show who he is as a hero. Yeah, because he was kind of like Spider-Man, where he's kind of halfway introduced, not really fully introduced yet. And there's a lot to know. Uh, so he's from a country called Wakanda, uh, which is super isolated, both physically uh, and um, from like... A internal point of view they're not big on outsiders right but apparently in the comics this meteor crashed and brought all this vibranium down to earth and most of it landed in wakanda so the leaders found it sold it in little bits and made huge amounts of money and used that wealth to really develop wakanda and turn it into a silent technologically advanced wealthy society and so it was run by this guy uh, T'Chaka. I believe, uh, but he is the father who died in Captain America Civil War, and now T'Challa, right. the son, is the Black Panther that we'll be seeing in this upcoming film. Gotcha. So that's his real name. Right. And T'Chaka was actually the chief at the time that the meteor crashed. So he's really the one that led them into this great prosperity. So he's been around a while. Uh, yeah. Uh, because he, he was imbued with the, the powers of the Black Panther. 
uh, which uh, the title of the film is not only a title for their king, but also a title for their protector. That'd be both uh, at the same time. Right. Um, And there's this like rite of passage where the intended protector has to go through these rituals and these trials. And then if he proves himself, he's like blessed with the spirit of the Black Panther. And he's given the ability to eat this thing. It's called like the heart of the forest or something. This root, essentially, that gives him all the superpower. Like uh, he basically has the similar effects to the super serum. Oh, I didn't Captain know. I just, I just assumed that yeah, yeah, Black yeah. Panther was just super agile and well trained. I didn't know he actually had any powers. Oh yeah, he has like he has very similar um, abilities to Captain America. But they kind of explain it like it's a natural root. It's not like it's mystical or magical. Um, you know, it is sort of it. It will be presented, mind you. This is in my limited reading, right? Um, so it has to be after this trial. But it's not something that anyone can go get. Right, right. They're probably keeping it close to the vest and their community and. Get to go through the path or, of trials or, first to get it, or you know, because think of it, it's like once in a generation, basically, right? So who knows? But yeah, so it's some sort of mystical, whatever, or natural, whatever. But, but they, he gets they at least powers. look at it as mystical, probably. Um, there's certainly like an ancestral, deep meaning behind it, certainly. right? Very cool. And so the heart-shaped herb—that's what it's called. Mm. So then the big question becomes: uh, What's Michonne from Walking Dead doing? Yeah, what's she up to in this movie? She seems like a badass. So she is playing a character called Dora Milaje. Milaje, I might be way off on this. I'm doing my best. <laughs> um, and she's the leader of this elite female fighting force that is the protectors of essentially the royal family mm. of Wakanda. Um, which I thought was really interesting because uh, if anyone saw Thor Ragnarok, there's also the Valkyries, which are also an elite all-female fighting force. Right. And I just thought that was an interesting echo in this. I'm not sure if it was on purpose. Maybe they'll all band together for a future movie. I think that'd be really cool. Mm-hmm. And also in the comics, but they don't think this is going to come out in the movie, apparently the the most well-trained or the 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 most... I don't know. The one that's proven themselves the most of these female warriors is the one that gets to marry the king. Ah, like an arranged marriage. Not all, kind of only his wife, but his supreme protector. Gotcha. But they don't think that's going to come into this film. Most people that have either reviewed it or leading up to it, they might think that's a little bit too outdated as far as gender roles kind of thing. And then the next question becomes, what's the human torch up to in this film? <laughs> uh, Michael B. Jordan. Most recently from Fant Forstick. Yeah, it could have been either uh, Human Torch. Yeah, it could have been that or Chris Evans. Plays a character called Eric uh, Eric Killmonger, uh, who is a Wakandan exile who grew up in the U.S. Now, my use is in the comics. Who knows how much of this is going to carry over? Um, but then grew up in the U.S., was part of special ops, and now has some reason to return home to reclaim or at least, himself. Or at least I challenge guess. T'Chaka. Right, right, to challenge him. And th- that is apparently part of it, too. If someone challenges the king and wins, they become the king. Well, he apparently. definitely has an American accent in the movie, in the trailer, so that part's at least the same. So, well, one thing I thought was interesting, and also something to keep in mind, is that now that um, Disney made by Fox and bring all those properties in, uh, an interesting thing that happened in the comics is that Storm and Black Panther had an on-and-off-again relationship that at one point ended in them, in them getting married. Right. I did hear about and that. now Storm's going to come in and be part. So who knows? Who knows where this could go in the future? Down the line. But yeah, I think those are some of the things you need to know leading up to Black Panther uh, about who's who, what's what, and uh, what you need to know to get the most out of the film. And it does upset me about the uh, continuing thing with every first movie of each character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that 
their villain is always just an exact copy of them and their powers and their stuff. Like in every yeah, one. I, I don't know. There's always that's but at the end of any like sort of finding your way story. The final challenge is facing yourself. I guess so. This is this is just sort of their way of doing that. Right. Ant-Man, it was the same way. Iron Man, same thing. Exactly. Uh, it, that That's the thing. It's them overcoming themselves. That's why I like the first Avenger, Captain Always. America, because he was facing Red Skull, who was different. Like a real good villain. <laughs> yeah, I liked him. <laughs> He's a Nazi. Uh, I like I'm him. A, I, it's terrible. <laughs> uh, but I'm excited for Black Panther and excited for all the background that it's going to lend to the next Avengers film, uh, which seems to center a lot around Wakanda. Yeah, absolutely. From what we can see in the in the trailers we've seen so far. So I'm excited for the whole thing. Also, I know like I was kind of out on and, superheroes for a while, but I'm kind of getting reignited. Well, good. It seems like it has great music and great stylish effects and looks like a little different looking the other films. That I like that. It looks interesting. Yeah. Um, but I'm stoked. It looks like it's going to be a good time. And that's all you need to know about it in order to get the most. There you go. There you go. And didn't you have a history of other characters or were you saving mm-hmm. that for later? No, I mean, I've got. So, so as I said earlier, Black Panther is getting a lot of credit for being like, the, you know, Full black cast, uh, you know, African American lead, um, and that and that it is getting a lot of credit, and that's awesome to stay in age. But it's been done before, and it was done in a movie called Meteor Man. But it's been done other times too. Mm-hmm. Um, and other ones that come to mind: Blank Man, which is my personal favorite. Came I out love soon blank after Man. Meteor Man, yeah. Um, but the idea of of a nerd crime fighter always just really got me. I watched and a guy who makes stuff out of junk. Like when you're a kid, you're like, yeah, I can make stuff out of junk. <laughs> Um, you've got Shaq in Steel, which if you have not seen that movie, it is something else. Pretty it's terrible. not his fault. <laughs> it is not his fault. The whole thing was a wreck to begin with. <laughs> uh, and then Blade, of course, Wesley Snipes. Amazing. Also a, a Marvel franchise that everyone seems to forget. Right. Had a very successful, a pretty successful three movie run. And then a movie that I don't think gets enough credit, but I really did enjoy it at its core was Hancock. Yeah, I, I like Hancock. It got pretty panned by critics, but I, I enjoyed it. I think it lost its way a little bit, but at its core, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so this is sort of our honorable mentions. Um, but the main attraction here at this freak show, <laughs> <laughs> because it is one hell of a movie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> is The Meteor Man. Not Meteor Man. <laughs> the Meteor Man. The Meteor Man. The Meteor Man. For As some if reason. it's going to be mistaken for a different Meteor Man. <laughs> He's the one and only. The Meteor Man. So uh, let's walk through the film. This thing is a doozy. So just a doozy. Somehow this movie was written, directed, and stars a Robert Townsend who didn't do a lot of whole else besides Meteor Man that was in the public light that much. Well, and that's the thing. I looked and I was like, well, maybe he was uh, like a big deal and I just wasn't aware of him. And I looked and he has some credits before this, but not a ton. And I was like, well, maybe he had like big, powerful producers behind him. And I looked and the producers that did this have done almost nothing else. <laughs> and then I look and it had a $30 million budget. I don't understand this movie at all. And somehow he was able to wrangle like t- every famous black actor at the time uh, in the in the 90s. Like that was, you know, decently big. I mean, he had 
uh, Eddie Griffin. He had Don Cheadle. He had uh, James Earl Jones, uh, Bill Cosby. Uh, oh, I mean, it's a it's like a who's who. It's, it's insane. There's there's always someone on the screen where you're like, hey. And the the best part is is that if you actually go on IMDb, um, they've got like casting crew, and then you can see at the bottom like recently claimed casting crew, and all these actors who are now big shit have finally come out and like put their tag on. Yeah, I was in that one scene in the Meteor Man. <laughs> Uh, including my favorite that I saw at the bottom that surprised me, uh, Chris Tucker, yeah, was, uh, like the DJ at the mall. I didn't even notice like, that one announcement, and I heard it and went, "Oh my god, that's Chris Tucker!" And then, sure enough, at the bottom, he had just recently claimed his participation in this film, <laughs> <laughs> uncredited. Yeah, I also have an appearance by Wallace Shawn uh, randomly as one of the teachers. Oh yeah, inconceivable that guy. Inconceivable, Sicilian, Sicilian. <laughs> uh. Who else we got here? Biz Markey is in there. It's good stuff. Oh, he did show up in the Cypress uh, Hill. Like, is in this movie, man. <laughs> but yeah, just a just a crazy star-studded cast. Naughty by Nature was it? Luther Vandross. Oh yeah, they played. Uh, they played the Crips and the Bloods. <laughs> yeah, Luther Vandross was in there as a mostly silent role. He just looked intimidating a bunch. Uh, Sinbad was in there as a, a playing. Oh, yeah, I guess Sinbad a white guy. Trying to be a black kind, guy, but he's kind of. I don't know. They, they so we'll get into it when we review. There's a lot like of I don't. Black, there's a he? lot of I don't know in this film. <laughs> and Robert Guillaume, I he plays the father. Oh, Robert Guillaume. Guillaume. Okay, he's. I've seen him in so much stuff, but I just I never knew his name before. He's great. Oh, he's like he's a classic actor. He's probably the best actor in this movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so let, let's let's get into it. Yes. So, uh, so <laughs> we wake up in the life of a mild-mannered teacher. Very boring, mild-mannered teacher. A very boring, mild-mannered teacher who lives with his dog. <laughs> and I love that they immediately tried to give give the movie as much credibility as possible by getting James Earl Jones on the screen as quick as humanly possible. Yeah, exactly. You were, there was like a minute and eight seconds in the film when all of a sudden James Earl Jones was just doing a big scene. And this is the only movie I've ever seen James Earl Jones in where he has zero gravitas whatsoever. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of liked his, I liked the, the whole switching out hats and hair. His performance was great. To cover up, he was bald. I just thought he was such a fun little drawn character. Yeah, he, he played the character really well. I'm just saying it's the only character he's played I've seen him play where he has no gravitas. He's not like a you know, strong, wise man. He's, oh, yeah. he's just a goof. Look, girls, y'all just going to wait in line. Mr. Moses, let's make a trade. I'll trade you the best of Wynton Marcellus for Duke Ellington and Billie Holiday. <laughs> never. I would never give up any of my records for anything. Be like cutting off one of my hands. And if anything, he he's like a kind of a, afraid. Oh, very much a coward. Yeah. Because he gets to have that moment where he betrays Meteor Man. You could see how ashamed he is. Mm-hmm. See, so yeah, they get James Earl Jones on as quick as possible. And he, we, we're in Washington D.C. Teacher goes to school and basically shows that the school is the in decay. The community's in decay. Graffiti everywhere. Kids acting up in school and violence and all sorts of terrible things. Right. But then he has a run in uh, with the bad guys from. <laughs> uh, so this scene is ridiculous. This scene really sets up how ridiculous the rest of the movie is. So you hear this slinky sound. Well, first, you got to go back a little bit here because he goes, he's going to go to a concert and he gets to his car, which was already out of gas. 
and someone had broken into his car and taken his upright bass, which apparently he never plays in the movie, but apparently he's a musician. Um, we know that from his, he really mu- needs his music pajamas. That's how we know he's a musician. <laughs> but, yeah, that's right. I actually noticed the giant, the giant <laughs> music pajamas. So then he hears a, um, some woman being attacked and he goes, he goes <laughs> and it's the kids from his school. A little tiny kid is like holding this woman down on the ground, a full grown woman <laughs> while, while another one takes her wallet out of her purse. And he like confronts them and, and then all of a sudden slinky sound. <laughs> um, so this, this scene. So then all of a sudden there's a whole bunch out of nowhere, a whole bunch of well-dressed blonde haired, probably age four to six year old black children <laughs> in suits. And then they pull out and then there's like another wave. Also blonde hair. African-American children in nice black suits, but like in the eight to 10 range. Right. And then they got like the big guys who are in matching outfits and then they show up and then a guy walks in with a tiger (laughs) for some reason. (laughs) And then they finally show the big baddie. And when they did that, and then there's this moment where they literally like just show everyone together. I feel like it's at the beginning of a game when you don't press the start button and it goes in that cinematic. And then you see like all the bosses you're going to fight. And they scroll across the screen, wanted it like that's what this was. This was Sega style. Let's show you all the bosses he's gonna fight. <laughs> and then suddenly, for like no real reason, the gang is just after him. Yeah, chasing him down like they want to kill him, and he hasn't done anything. Like what? It didn't make any sense. Yeah, it was it was really strange. Uh, so he runs, he hides in a dumpster, and luckily one of the kids, one of the kids who was robbing the woman, uh, per- sees him and pretends not to, and says there's no one there. So the little kid has a little bit of good left in him. Yep. Uh, so then he's like walking home and all down because of what ha- happened to his community. And then all of a sudden, bam, being chased by a meteor. The meteor literally follows him down an alley. Follows him down an alley. It was ridiculous. So the meteor <laughs> hits him. You get to see it kind of like absorbed into his chest. And then I wrote down and then some kind of okay CGI and practical effects mixed. Yeah, not too bad. Like I was, I I looked and was like, "Hey, that's that's where they spent their budget. Good job." And for being like a PG movie, it was pretty scary because he gets like burned all to hell from this meteor, and it absorbs into his body painfully, and he screams and yells and explodes. Yeah, it's crazy. So then he like blacks out. You get to see someone like walk in and take one little piece of the meteor and walk away, but you don't get to see who it is. Right. And then he wakes up in the hospital. He's covered in bandages, and all of a sudden. You know, doctor comes in and there's a thousand people in the room and they're all staring at him and they cut open his bandages and he's absolutely fine. He has no injuries. He's healed. Uh, And then he touches a medical book and something strange happens. He automatically learns everything in the book word for word and proves his own doctor wrong, which is a great thing to do. Make your doctor mad at you. Yes. And then loses it after 30 seconds. He no longer has the power. So we find out throughout the movie that he can touch any reading material and know it all for 30 seconds, and then it disappears again. Yeah. But then eventually it, it makes you do things, too, which makes no sense. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so then they, they cut across to, oh, someone has the other piece of the meteor. Who is it? Oh, it's Bill Cosby. And he's using it for absolute nonsense. That's thankfully not using it to drug was. women, but <laughs> otherwise it's good. But he, but he does use it to make a drink. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> yes. Um, That's true. He does make, make a cup of tea with his power. That's how he's using his power. It's really well used. Well, at some point, the the, the gangsters try to attack his, uh, his father because his, father, his father's very outspoken about trying to get rid of the gangs in the town. 
And so he stops them and he throws the gangsters away. And then like, uh, they, uh, they get all pissed and one of the guys, yeah, just the punch him, breaks his hand. And so now they know basically that this guy has powers and his parents find out he has powers through that incident in the whole town. And so they all just applaud him as meteor man. Now they basically are going to make him into a superhero, whether he likes it or not. And they want to enlist him to protect the community. And he has, they want to patrol the town three nights a week and they install a meteor man phone in his house that we never see get used. Um, <laughs> I'm, I don't know if I'm skipping no, We a missed a here. bunch of stuff. Did, we, we, so we, skipped a, we skipped a chunk of the movie. That's why I'm confused. You, you skipped ahead. Damn, you caught um, me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you're right. His dad's attacked, but uh, he does defend him. But then uh, he, and then he, all of a sudden I said, bam, Wallace Shawn out of nowhere. I suspended him again today, and do you know what he said to me? I hope you have bus fare. Absolutely unbelievable. In other words, he is planning to do the very same thing again today. Now that's unbelievable. He's going to slash my tires again. So he's at school. He gives an inspirational speech to the other teachers. It doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> but what did you say over lunch, Charlie? They don't pay me enough to be a teacher and a parent but you don't give up so the parents don't always come through it's the kids that suffer in the end that's right and i'm sorry but we've got some of the great even if the parents don't get involved it's up to us the these kids aren't bad uh, and then I started listening and I was like, the music's in this is okay. So I started looking it up and that's when I found a Trek connection. Oh, really? Uh, the same composer for the meteor man, Cliff, uh, Eidelman also composed the music for star Trek six. How you, what do you know? That's crazy. There you go. Uh, so he stands up to the gang in public and then all of a sudden, bam, drive by shooting. <laughs> he gets shot up and, and I think I wrote down, uh, his drive-by shooting is the best dance move of the 90s. <laughs> He's flailing so around. ridiculous with how his arms flail, and he just redirects his body in a really unnatural way. <laughs> but then, you realize, bam, he's bulletproof. Mm -hmm. And then they try to chase him down in this car if they can't kill him, and he kind of jumps, but then really flies and, and flies up and catches a light pole. And they see him do this, and they drive off. They don't know what to do. Don Cheadle in the car. Don Cheadle and the gang drive off. <laughs> then all of a sudden his community knows uh, they have like a community action meeting. They invite him in and he is suddenly the savior of the community. He's going to walk patrols three times. They've got a list of demands form of things he's going to do. <laughs> right. Uh, and I was like, man, what a terrible neighborhood. I know. They're so forcing him into this. And also his mother telling everyone his identity. So now everyone knows who he is. But yet later on, they don't know who he is somehow. <laughs> right, right. Oh, we'll get into that. Uh, and then someone takes a picture of him and the Polaroid comes out and his hands and his face are like this blurry green blob. Which they never talk about again either. <laughs> no, they don't bring it up ever again. But because he's wearing like like a high school jacket, I, I wrote down, hey, look, it's Slimer's high school photo. <laughs> Very nice. And then uh, they find out that uh, they, you know, the the bad guys looking to put pressure on him go after people he love and so they beat up this really nice lady <laughs> yes. that that lives in his apartment and that's when he knows he has to take action right and that's when this leads to like the worst montage maybe in film history <laughs> of him 
trying on his mom's homemade, terrible looking superhero costumes and then shaking them all off. Right. So then he finally, you know, after this montage, he finally has his outfit that he likes and he looks good. And it's the the meteor man outfit from the, you know, the poster with strange um, pockets of like and then, fluff on it. It's really weird. And then it, and then there was a shot where I was like, so did their budget like just run out right now? Because they do this really weird shot where you see him like extend his arms quickly. And then there's a sound effect and then the windows open and the, the like curtains rustle. And the implication is that he flew out the window faster than they could see. Right. <laughs> but I was like, was that it? Was the budget just ended right there? Well, if you saw the rest All of their the- flying shots, they're pretty terrible. So I think they want to avoid that as much as possible. But then I do like the the, the joke that comes that uh, that he's still afraid of heights, though. Right. So he goes out and flies, but he flies six feet above the ground, <laughs> which was cute. I like that. A little, a little it was joke. cute. So so then he decides he's going to go break up a drug house where they're, they're dude. I think it was cocaine was the implication. It was white powder of some sort. Right. I think it, cocaine was the implication. And so he walks in and doesn't like apprehend anybody or, or take their guns away or anything. He literally comes in and does his super breath and just blows. And, and I wrote down, uh, meteor man's in town and everyone in the room got super high. <laughs> And then, in fact, later they paid the joke off. I was so happy. Right. They come in and they're all just laughing and giggling on the floor instead of being concerned, <laughs> which cocaine does not do that to you, by the way. Oh, no. They'd all have heart attacks. Right. They would all have heart attacks. Now, that scene, though, when he busts in on them the first, I wrote down as two of the, the weirdest, dumbest, out of place lines ever. So he gets in and some guy tries to grab him. And he goes, Get off me, crack boy. Drug dealer people. Meteor Man's in town. <laughs> yeah, Meteor Man's in town. I'm also going to say wow. that I'm pretty sure that Robert Townsend must have grew up in a very wealthy neighborhood and has never seen a real gang in his life <laughs> because, <laughs> first of all, his depiction of them was not great. Yes, and I'm saying drug dealer people. <laughs> and crack boy. Uh, but then I was, I was thinking about it. So, like, he finally went in and busted up this thing that's been going on, this terrible thing in his neighborhood. And then I was like, is, did it, was, is the implication that it took him getting a good costume to finally go help his community? Pretty much. After that whole montage, it wasn't a montage of him getting costumes and trying to help people and failing or like learning his way. It was just him trying on costume. <laughs> it's very important. Get the right costume. So then this here comes like the most ridiculous thing in the, maybe the whole film. I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, so all of a sudden there's a random gang versus cop shootout. Oh, God. No distinct reason. So bad. No distinct reason. There's a standoff. Everyone's got gun drawn. The cops and the and the and the we're assuming bad guys. We have no idea why they're there. <laughs> they're shooting there's each zero, other. There's zero context for why anybody is there. But all the cops, have, everyone's got their guns drawn. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he like, what does he do? He stops all the bullets. Well, they all shoot at him, and nothing happens. Yeah, they all shoot at him, and he stops all the bullets, and then they decide to put their guns down. And then the cops decide to put their guns down. Because he says, I want to talk to both sides. And that moment got so ridiculous that I almost could not continue watching the movie. <laughs> like, I, I have never gotten that, but I literally got to a point where I'm like, I'm not sure I can keep going. That was so insane. Yeah, because it, it just doesn't make any sense. Why why had the cops put their guns down? Why was he, he said, I want to talk to both and, sides? And, and the worst part is, is there's this really terrible sound editing where people are muttering things oh, and yeah. they're bringing things in and out just loud enough for you, the audience, to hear. And like You can literally hear people muttering like, yeah, let's listen to what they have to say. 
Put your weapons down. I want to talk to both sides. Stop! Stop firing! Suicide. We gotta try something different here. Yo, man, this is crazy. Come on, let's roll. Let's hear what he's got to say. Easy, easy. Just want to talk. You put them down. No, no, I put them down. They call it the Walla, is what they call it, and like the voiceover biz is basically they have. Like kind of newer voice actors come in to do background talking in movies, and uh-huh. you'll often hear it like in you know, restaurants. They call it Walla because it sounds like they're saying Walla 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 Walla. But then this movie, all the lines you could hear perfectly and way too loudly <laughs> in every scene in this movie. <laughs> but like it was so bad, especially in that scene. Though you're right because I remember him hearing them say, "We should listen to what he has to say." You're right. Wait, are you crazy? Don't put your gun down. No, you should put your guns down. We'll see if it works. We have to try something different. And it's like they're way too explanatory, and you could hear every single word perfectly it was but the moment it it made them this manufactured insane impossible moment that much better in that moment but to the point where i almost couldn't go on it was so bad i almost couldn't but that's a big step though for meteor man because that means he made peace between the big gangs and the cops and but not the biggest gang the the golden boys or whatever they're called golden lords yeah i guess yeah oh it's terrible (laughs) um but now we get to meet the real villain of the film an old white guy. Yes. <laughs> I'm honestly, I was, I had really mixed feelings about this in that, like even a movie that's all about like black empowerment and this full black cast that, that the black guy still can't be in charge and he's still working for a white guy. Yeah. Like that shows. Like, and I, and I like, the- wasn't sure if that matched with what the movie I thought was trying to get across. It was just strange. It was a weird juxtaposition. Gentlemen, I'm prepared to offer a bounty for this flying man. One million dollars alive, two million dead. And it could be a thing of like even even in the nineties, they aren't as you know progressive as they thought they were trying to be because like they're still under that mindset that oh we can't sell it where the black guy is in charge. There has to be somebody above him that's giving out the orders. So and and yeah. something that I thought was like just really thinly veiled uh, was that notice that with the white guy he has people of all different races that all also work for him. Yeah, there was uh, Arabic people and you know. Asian people, and and all Asian people, but so like all the races work for the old white guy. And I was like, come, come on. Is it was, what is the message of this film? I know. Like, that was, that was when the whole thing really started losing its way. Yeah. That's a bad, but bad part of this. So then we cut back to meteor man feeling, still feeling bad about his community. And then he decides to clear out an empty lot and use, I guess, Captain Planet powers. <laughs> I don't know. Where does he get all these powers <laughs> um, to, to make a big community garden grow where everyone can come eat for free? Yep. And it had like a giant pumpkin and corn. Oh, and he has out. weather powers, too. He has lots and lots and lots of powers. Like he has every <laughs> power. It's amazing. Right. There's no limit. He also can see through walls and stuff. Uh, we didn't mention that earlier. But he also has x-ray vision. He has heat vision. He's got super bright, like he has all the power. He's like Superman plus. It's insane. Exactly. But then, uh, so then they cut to like a news story about this public garden that emerged overnight and that the Crips and Bloods have put aside their, their differences, uh, to, to like, f- to, to work on this community garden. And they had, you know, like someone in red and someone in blue, but the problem is Crips and Bloods were LA. Right. And not the East coast. And not until after this movie came out, I looked it up. I did some research. Hmm. 
they came out here uh, into Rikers uh, like a year after this came out. <laughs> so they didn't do their research. Uh, right, right. Or, or he was an L.A. based person and that's what he wrote because that's what he knew, but he didn't think to adjust it. So the Crips and Blood put away their guns and help out to build the community. He makes a big yeah. garden. He goes back to teaching. And one day he's in his classroom and then bam, ambushed by a children. Yeah. In his classroom. I didn't understand this. All these kids come in and hold him down. We know he's super strong and has all these powers and he like lets these children. And the, I guess the idea is that he wouldn't hurt a kid. Or also that he was protecting his identity because he's pretending that he wasn't Meteor Man. Right. But everyone knew he was Meteor Man. <laughs> it was really didn't make any sense. Oh, and before we go on, I have to mention before I forget. There has been things that were cut or just left aside about his relationships because first he starts trying to like mack it with the the nurse, the cute nurse in the beginning. That goes nowhere. We don't see her ever again. Then there's a teacher he keeps trying to get with in school, kind of. And but we have no idea who she is or what her name is. And then and, and then you get the Sinbad like subplot. there, Right. And that, that subplot goes nowhere. I mean, it's just like all over the place. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of subplots and like half finished ideas in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So he goes home to find that, oh, my God, his outfit's gone, only to then find out that his best friend, Eddie, played by Eddie Griffin, stole his costume as parading around his meteor man trying to pick up chicks. Right. And honestly, when he did that, I, I honestly thought to myself, yeah, he's, I mean, he's going to get what he deserves. That's a shitty thing to do. And he dangerous. did a shitty thing and he's going to get killed. Like, I was kind of OK with it because he did a real shitty thing. Right. Uh, which feels terrible. And I was like, yeah. He could get shot. I mean, that could happen. <laughs> um, so then I wrote his, his, I, you're right. His identity is not actually a secret. And, but he's acting in public when he's going to try to save his friend from this ambush when he's in a mall, trying to act like he's not, he doesn't, he can't use his powers overtly because everyone will know who he is, despite the fact that everyone already knows who he is. Yeah. At least like everyone in his town knows who he is. So it's like, this is so confusing. <laughs> he shoots the pins on their guns with his heat vision and that stops them from shooting his friend. Uh, and he gets him out of there and then leaves Eddie Griffin naked in public where presumably he's arrested <laughs> for public indecency. Uh, and then that's when you get to hear Chris Tucker when they're in the mall. Yeah. Just very briefly. <laughs> very random. I told you he could fly. He didn't even believe me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for a medium man. <laughs> but then he's next scene. He's home. Uh, his father is leading him into mother or father. I can't remember him into this room uh, to show him something, and all of a sudden, bam, surprise, Meteor Man party. I forgot about that scene entirely. <laughs> well, no, because they're all there for the party, but then that is when the bad guys show up. That's right. To his party and confront him, and so him and the whole community come down, and they shoot it. They shoot, you know, shoot their guns at the community, and he's able to block all the bullets. But. With his super speed, but. With all that power being used and growing that beautiful garden and super speeding to catch all the bullets, he realizes his hands are bleeding from catching the bullets and he's losing his powers. And the bad guy sees that he's bleeding, too. So, yeah, you can't be everywhere and save everybody except for when you were just everywhere and saved everybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> except for that, you can't be everywhere. Uh, and then, the you know, he basically falls asleep, goes and passes out. Because now that he's draining all this energy, he's got to sleep it off. At least that's sort of how they pose it, I guess. Right. Uh, and the bad guys come for him while he's sleeping, and his ultra smart dog, uh, like, drags him and hides him. Yeah. It was th that. That was maybe one of the more unbelievable parts. Um, <laughs> Out of many. 
So he has to sleep to recharge his powers. They find this out very unsense. Someone just says it and everyone goes, yep, that's the way it is. <laughs> like, there's no science or any experiments. So, like, I think Eddie Griffin just says it out loud and that's the rule. But he doesn't ever get his powers back until he touches the uh, rock again. I think his powers were just gone. Yeah. So then the whole, his whole building gets tagged up by the gang, really ruins the building. And that's when the whole community turns on him, just like in any good superhero movie. <laughs> Uh, where, you know, they wouldn't be coming for us if it weren't for that meteor man. That we propped up in the first place. It was our fault. That we, yeah, we propped up and we gave away his identity and ruined <laughs> everything for him. Uh, Oops. It was, uh, nothing was wrong before he came here. And then you could see James Earl Jones do a good real job of like acting real ashamed after he turns on him. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a great, <laughs> was a James terrible James Earl Jones. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he's getting ready to leave. He says, look, if you guys don't want me here, I'll go. So he's getting ready to go. And as he's leaving, bam, the gang shows up and blocks both ends of the streets with these huge semi trucks. He's there's a trap. Uh, they bring in all these guys who are there to just beat up Meteor Man. And he goes one on one with the main guy. He gets a few licks in, but really the the, the main bad guy really gets him, really beats the crap out of him. Because he has no powers at this point. Or very low powers. Here's the thing. They said he had to sleep to recharge, but he did sleep and he didn't get, I just. Yeah, he never got his powers back. <laughs> there's There are apparently some things that, that once again, a lot of half finished ideas. Um, <laughs> and just as the, you know, the bad guy is really supposed to s- sort of strike the final blow, uh, he's hit with something. A community turns on him. And all these people that had just turned on Meteor Man start throwing books and potatoes and records. Oh, that's what it was. It was a record. Yeah. That's thrown by James Earl Jones. Hits the gun out of his it's Immaculate accuracy. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the whole neighborhood comes out. People with brooms and pots and pans come out to fight the gang. Including Bill Cosby with his uh, telekinetic powers. Yeah, Bill Cosby shows up. Oh, that's what allows the... Um, like the the... the public to come out and not all get shot to death because he, he knocks the guns <laughs> out of Bill all their Cosby hands shows out and like and like telepathically removes all the guns otherwise this would have been a much shorter ending to this film yes it would community comes out and just everyone gets shot <laughs> <laughs> but uh in the, in the midst of the fray of everything happening uh bill cosby gets you know kind of whacked a little bit and he drops the meteor out of his because he had a chunk of the meteor from the beginning of the movie he's the guy who walked over and grabbed it and it yeah. falls and it rolls over and it gets right next to Meteor Man on the ground. Uh, but then the villain reaches for it, too, at the same time. And they grab it at the same time and it su- gets sucked into them and they explodes and they both get meteor powers for a bit. Uh, yeah. Um, and I, there was a moment. It's really funny because, uh, you know, Meteor Man's like defeated and beat up. And uh, the bad guy picks up a dumpster and throws it and kills his dog. And then all of a sudden he's back in action. Like out of nowhere, he suddenly has his powers back because his dog died. It was this John that, Wick moment. That, I guess. I guess everyone gets their John Wick moment at some point. So then, and then I, uh, let's see, beats up the bad guy. And then he strips a group of boys down to their underwear and ties them up. That was disturbing. Yes. That literally happened. I was, I was like, there's no way that would fly nowadays. No, it just would not fly. It was really weird. But he's teaching all the like young kid gang members a lesson. It's really weird. Um, so he uses his powers. He grabs, uh, he's getting the crap kicked out of him again. He gets thrown into a book truck and then suddenly his book power comes in handy. Because he conveniently falls on a, the fighting styles of Bruce Lee book. I also love that it's supposed to be 30 seconds, but they in no way tried to disguise that it was like three minutes. 
And then Eddie Griffin's like looks at his wrist and goes, "Oh man, thirty seconds!" Like, like, this, like no, that was like that was like three and a half minutes. He had that power. <laughs> so then the other most dumb part in this movie happens where he falls on a uh, runway models instruction book because that's a thing that happens. And right. instead of just learning all the knowledge in that book, he becomes overcome with the knowledge and has to then walk around like a yeah. runway model. That's why I can get like it, it. He has no choice. He's just compelled to to act out the like what that could get real bad real quick. That never happened with like any of the other books, but with that one, it happened. And he makes the bad guy touch it too, so they both walk around like runway models for a little while, and it's just it's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, like, what if he picked up Silence of the Lambs? Like, there's a lot of terrible implications for That's that. True. It's like if he has to do it. <laughs> My goodness. So then, uh. They finally defeat all the localized gang members. Uh, Bill Cosby uh, gives up his meteor powers, presumably, to save the dog. Which is a nice thing. Which was a nice moment. Yeah. Uh, but then the movie got bad again when another level of bad guys showed up. <laughs> this is when the white man and all of his lackeys. Yeah, the old white guy <laughs> and his, and I said, his much more ethnically diverse army of gunmen show up. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to get you, media man. It's time for you to go on permanent vacation. And then and then finally, the whole movie pays off. That ridiculous scene from earlier with the gang members and the police officers. The gang members show up and they got Meteor Man's back. And all of a sudden, they've got an ambush on the roof <laughs> waiting for these old white guys and, and his entourage. Um, and they send them packing. And the old white guy and all his bad guys run away and the and the, the neighborhood's better off. I guess. Well, they try to run away and the cops block them in. So they actually are, that's right. Finally, the cops show up. I don't know where the hell they've been. <laughs> and then they got to they arrest the, the bad guys. And so my question is, how did the, these gangs coordinate this massive rooftop <laughs> assault with literally only moments notice? No more than no more than 35 to 40 seconds notice. Right. Could they have had to, to make this happen? Uh, and then and then my question for the end of the film is. So we're supposed to feel better that now the the right gangs are protecting the community, right? Uh, like I don't I don't know what the moral at the end here. And is. at the end, he can't heal the dog. He's losing his powers again, and there's no more meteor. So he basically isn't meteor man anymore either. So there's no more meteor man. So right. So the idea is like, oh, so they fi- they fixed it. They did it. <laughs> <laughs> like. They fix the community by putting different gangs in charge. I don't understand Yay? what the moral is here. <laughs> like I don't know. Huzzah? This movie lost this movie lost its way so hard. <laughs> so hard. But I do remember seeing this and Blank Man as a kid and really enjoying them both. Uh I watched Blank Man a lot more, but this is definitely good for I'd say, you know, five to ten year olds. A little bit. Oh, it's so good. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But it's good for kids. It's PG and it's probably a little too violent for that young of kids. But um, yeah. And and when Roger Ebert reviewed it, he basically said what really kind of summed it up for me, which was approximately it's got some really good moments, but you don't know how they really interconnect and none of them really lead to each other. <laughs> right. Like he gets that really nice inspirational speech where the teachers and then it doesn't go anywhere. Right. And he's never liked that and again. Then, and. He's not a very inspiring right. and then the character. community comes out and saves him, and that could have been a really great moral if that was how it ended. The community chased off the gang. Right. Like That's how you do it. But then he had to then get his powers back to save them. So it wasn't possible for the community to save themselves, which should have been the moral. And they wasted a very powerful James Earl Jones crying moment. It was very yeah. good, and then just kind of went nowhere. And 
<laughs> yeah, it's just there were there were a lot of good moments. It's just they weren't strung together in a way that made the movie as impactful as it could have been. So definitely an interesting watch, folks. I'd recommend checking it I, out. I mean, I recommend it. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's hard to find, and it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yes, definitely hard to find. Not a lot of exposure anymore. <laughs> well, good. So that's been a good discussion of Meteor Man. Uh, hopefully get you in the mood and the mindset to go check out Black Panther. Absolutely. So now we have a special expanded trailer reviews. Here at A Play on Nerds, we have spent years refining our exclusive trailer rating system. At the low end of the scale, we have Don't Waste a Match. This movie is so bad that I wouldn't waste a single match to burn it Fahrenheit 451 style. And second from the bottom, we have We'll See. Maybe the trailer was too short. Maybe it was cut oddly. Or maybe we don't know what the hell we just watched. Eh, we'll see. Up next, we have Give It a Buck. Whether you hit a red box, a dollar movie theater in the bad part of town, or a cheap online rental, give this movie a buck and enjoy it without breaking the bank. And at the top of our rating system, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. The wallets have been charmed out of our pockets, and we are ready to make our hard-earned cash disappear. And that's our patent-pending trailer rating system for A Play on Nerds. So out of nowhere, all of these really, and I'm realizing it was Super Bowl driven. Right. So thanks, Super Bowl. I don't, this is weird, but I guess that's good now. They all, all these trailers for all these big things came out out of nowhere. Exactly. And they're all sci-fi fantasy related too. Yeah. They're all right down our our alleyway. So we're going to bring them all to you back to back, skip our second bit and just give you an extended trailer reviews and give give you what you want. So let's jump right into Venom. Everyone's got their thing. Maybe it's a breakup, a death, an accident. Whatever it is, you used to be one thing. Now, you're something else. We all have our own problems. Our own issues. Our own. Demons. Venom uh, with Tom Hardy. I just, you get a couple, you get a quick shot of the symbiote. You know, you get a lot of him riding a motorcycle, I guess. Like, I just don't understand. They didn't show us anything. They've got no, I've got nothing to go yeah, on. Like I, I get it's nothing. a teaser, but I feel like they had to make this too soon into the production of the film because it just wrapped. And so like, I feel like they just didn't have enough footage to really put a coherent teaser together. It didn't really. Yeah, there just wasn't. Yeah. From what I could tell, the, the movie was about Tom Hardy riding his motorcycle to the hospital. <laughs> right. And there's nothing venom like, about what, this movie or anything. From from what I can tell. I just, yeah, I'm with you. I think they tried to cut something too early. There was nothing to show. Right. And his voiceover was really strange. He's doing a really unusual voice for this. It's like, hey, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm venom. Hey, I, I don't. <laughs> I feel like every voice he's doing a weird. Voice. He always just put something strange on. Yeah. Um, it had a cool logo at the end. Like I thought that was good visual. Yeah. Nice kind of stamp on the end. But really at this point, I'm going to give this a we'll see because this it gave us nothing to go on. Same here. We'll see for me. I have no idea how it's going to tie in Peter Parker's Spider-Man, but apparently it's just going to have Peter Parker somehow. 
Huh. Uh, so Interesting. I don't know how that's going to work, but we'll see. Huh. Okay. Well, let me see if they can pull it off. Yep. Uh, so then Deadpool 2, a good superhero movie. I was born into war, bred into it. People think they understand pain, but they have no concept of it. What's the most pain you've ever felt? Maybe the kind that leaves you more machine than man. Wait, no, stop! What in the actual ass? Dale, why, why, why are the visual effects not done? It's a metal arm. It's not like we're trying to remove a mustache. Ah, oh, fuck it. I'll do it myself. I'm on cable, and I'm from the future, and I like blowing shit up. Pew, 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 pew. Reach for the sky! Oh no, Sheriff Deadpool. You know, you're a lot taller in the- Shut up, you little asshole. Take this- Oh! Regeneration powers, activate! That's not something you said. Zip it, Cable. I got the stones to help you. No biting. They're done already? Oh, wow, that was unrealistically fast. Okay, hit it. Your time's up, you dumb fuck. Well, that's just lazy writing. And this is like a, another better trailer. They had like a few weird teasers released, but this is one that features Cable very heavily. Yeah, and you get sort of the intro to his character and then already... Deadpool riffing on it and the arm, the CGI and the arm not being done yet. That was very creative. I like that. <laughs> um, but it, I think what it all it really did is it promised us that this is going to be just as tongue in cheek as the last one. It's going to be the same Deadpool we love to laugh at, and it's just going to be more of what we want. I'm glad the taxi driver. That's, back that's again. really what this trailer threw it in. I love the taxi driver character. He's, he's so great. good. <laughs> um, but I think it's just going to be more of what we loved. Yeah, they're not changing the too much, one. which is great, which is scary because they lost the original director for some reason, and we don't know why. Uh, huh. So I'm glad that it looks like it's going to be pretty similar to the last one because they, that could have gone in a bad way. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm super excited. Shut up and take my money. Same here. All the way. Shut up, take my money. Shut up and take my money. Shut up and take my money. So now we got uh, Solo, which had two Solo. teasers released back to back. One was a 45-second teaser for the Super Bowl. And then the mm-hmm. next day on the other was like a full one. Yeah. Like good morning America or something. It was like a more of a full trailer, but still kind of a teaser. I've been running scams on the street since I was 10. I was kicked out of the flight academy for having a mind of my own. I'm going to be a pilot. Best in the galaxy. Hey kid. I'm putting together a crew. You in? That's yes. I might be the only person. Who knows? What you really are. What's that? thought we were in trouble there for a second but it's fine we're fine what'd you think so the only thing i wrote down was is this blade runner again (laughs) it has a much darker dingier feel than previous star wars undertakings um 
it's going to be a cool backstory about Han Solo. You get to see that he at one point was in or considering joining the Empire, which I think is an interesting angle. Right. Probably just to like maybe just to, in, to get training to be a pilot. That's all he really cared about. Right. Uh, you get a little bit of Amelia Clark. He joins a crew to perform a job. That's where he meets Chewbacca. Woody Harrelson's there and is in some way his mentor or senior thief or whatever the hell. I wish I could say I'm excited for this movie. Not excited? But I just knowing the production hell it went through, right? it's going to be a train wreck. Like, I trust Ron Howard. And I get it. And, but at this, I think at the point from what we heard as the public, he it's like he's pulling bodies from a train wreck at this point. Which is so weird because the directors who were on it before, I can't remember their names, but they did a lot of animated films as well. Um, um, well, the, and they also did, uh, I think, 22 Jump Street. Right. Um, yeah. But they also had production hell on Rogue One. And I really enjoyed Rogue One. Um, it came out pretty well, I think. And I don't know, but no, but not switch directors 90% of the way through principal photography. Yeah, that was weird. Disaster. Like, that's a different. And the fact that the rumors that he hadn't, they had to bring in an acting coach for uh, whatever his name is playing solo. Um, uh, be, they, they, one of the producers said that he was uh, reading his lines like Jim Carrey and Ace Ventura. That's right. That was the rumor going on. Like, <laughs> like, like, for whatever reason, that was the direction he took. <laughs> But I think it looks stylish in a good way, and in the same way Rogue One did, uh, other podcasts I listen to called State of the Empire on the Nerdy Show Network, uh, they're huge Star Wars fans that read all the books and all the comics and everything, um, and they're mm-hmm. saying these anthology films that are outside of the main storyline are starting to really feel like the expanded universe books and more gritty, more the the dirtier Star Wars universe, you know, like getting more of the feel for that, and I, I really like that feel. It makes things a little more interesting. But definitely like it was a lighter uh, Blade Runner, you know, not like it was funnier moments and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, but I I don't know. I, I'm just I wish I could say I'm excited for this film. And I'm just simply not. So I'm going to give it a we'll see because, yeah, we'll see. Well, I'm giving it a shut up and take my money. Shut up and take my money. I knew you would. <laughs> uh, that moves us on to some uh, something from the smaller screen. Westworld season two. Look at this world, this beautiful world. We built this world together, a world where dreams come true. A world where you can be free. But this world is a lie. This world deserves to die. Because this is your world. We've lived by your rules long enough. We can save this world. We can burn it to the ground. From the ashes, build a new world. Our world. You watched the first season, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, without giving any spoilers away, it was very entertaining. Um, they won't have a couple of actors that were in the first season. We won't say who. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I, my problem is I don't know where they can go from where they left it off. 
that will be still be interesting and make sense and not be jumping the shark. I'm excited. For, well, I mean, it looks like it's going to be all out war. Yeah, I guess between humans, like this and, company trying to contain their assets, these robots getting out of control. Spoilers. 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 I don't care if you don't know it's robots. No. Right. You have to know that. The original Westworld came out in the 70s. You got to get over it. And they did hint at the first uh, season that there were other parks besides Westworld doing the same thing, like a, yeah, a, a Japanese a samurai one. Park. So that could be interesting yeah. tying that in. That'd be fun. Uh, and then you, but I'm excited to see like half finished robot zombies murdering people and, oh, yeah. and, and mechanical bulls fighting people with, with assault rifles. I'm just stoked for the all the budget's that. huge on the show. So it's great. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to, I already pay for the subscription. So shut up and take my money is already my answer. Exactly. Me shut too. up and take my money. Yeah. So we have uh, Jessica Jones season two. Yeah. Which uh, that was my favorite of the Marvel Netflix shows with Jessica Jones season one. So I'm more than on board for season two. Third glass tonight. Put it on my tab. Drinking to remember or forget? Giving a shit won't get you a better tip. My whole family was killed in a car accident. Someone did horrific experiments on me. And now this super vigilante shit keeps coming at me. Do you know Captain America? I want to absorb Ailey's investigations. You don't want me, you just want to eliminate the competition. I never take no for an answer. How rapey of you. Something happened behind these doors. I have 17 years of questions, and they are deep. Just knowing what was done to you might help you. We were made here. Me and something else. The only way to find it is to open the door wider. You were brought back from the dead. The powers were a side effect. How many others are there, like me? Let it go. There is a killer you cannot control. I didn't ask for any of this. Jessica might not want a sidekick, but she needs one. You're not super. You're taking time off. Keep telling me who I am. How dare you? What if facing it makes me worse? What are you gonna do? I don't know. Depends on if I can get through this night without losing my shit. Jessica Jones! It takes a monster to stop a monster. definitely interested in what they're going to show from her origin story because they didn't show a lot of that in the first season um and also what the villains will be because they didn't really reveal that in the trailer and, and apparently it's going to be hmm. interesting there's going to be a multitude of villains not just one central villain because they thought they couldn't really top very easily david Tennant's performance but i agree because that was amazing in season one so right uh, what'd you think uh, but yeah it looks like all the origin and background having not really watched the show i can only say it looks like more of the same oh you hadn't watched the first season no. Oh, it's definitely worth it. It's great. Maybe the first one or two episodes, but not the full season by any means. Yeah, it, it, it was a good one. I like her a lot. So I guess uh, I'll give it a give it a buck because I'm already paying for Netflix. <laughs> yeah, you already had given it a buck. Yeah, I've already given She's it. She's a so why not? boozing, swearing superhero, and I, I like it. <laughs> so this is a shut up and take my money for you? Yeah. Absolutely. Shut right. up and take my money. And that takes us to Mission Impossible Fallout. Indeed. Your mission should you choose to accept it. I wonder 
Did you ever choose not to? The end you always feared is coming. And the blood will be on your hands. The fallout of all your good intentions. You had a terrible choice to make in Berlin. One life over millions. And now the world is at risk. This is the CIA's mission. If he had held on to the plutonium, we wouldn't be having this conversation. This team would be dead. Yes, they would. That's the job. You don't understand what you're involved in. You need to walk away. Please don't make me go through you. How many times has Hunt's government betrayed him, disavowed him, cast him aside? How long before a man like that has had enough? Ethan, that's not who we are. Maybe we need to reconsider that. So, how is he? Oh, you know, same old Ethan. What the hell is he doing? I find it best not to look. And I wrote down two questions. Didn't we just do this? And did Ving Rames have work done? <laughs> I didn't notice that part. Look at his face in that close-up. Oh, it no. looks goofy. Uh, it looks real strange. He probably has. Uh, I'm going to say probably has, but you judge for yourself. Um, I don't know. This looks like high out, like what you come to expect from Mission Impossible. High octane, chases on rooftops, the villain from the last film saying cryptic and evil things, crazy bathroom fights, and the guy who's playing suit hit was it Henry Cavill? Is that his name? Yeah. Is there and he's jacked and fighting people and throwing people through walls. I I don't know if I have more attention for these movies. That's my thing. I don't remember if I've seen the last two because they're all kind of running together in my head. So if I watch this one, I'd have to watch the other ones again just to be like, what's going on yeah. in this universe? I don't know what these characters are doing or why I should care. Uh, I think they're kind of getting under the rope here, but they're still making money. So, Oh, yeah, they're still making money. Uh, so because of that, I'm going to give this a burn it. <laughs> uh, because this movie doesn't need me to be successful just like the last one didn't. Uh, but I'm just done. We've done like six of these movies. Can we just be done with this franchise? Yeah, not, no, they keep making money. But uh, God. the only thing I'm interested in, like the whole Henry Cavill thing, when he's not dressed up as Superman and, and he just looks like a giant beast now because he's so freaking jacked yeah, he for does. being Superman. So I'm excited to see him be like a bruiser and just kind of like be like a guy beating the crap out of Tom Cruise. Um, But yeah, I put give it a buck because maybe it'll be fun, especially if I decide to go rewatch the other ones again for some reason yeah maybe. But yeah just give it a buck i'm not that i'm not, not gonna see the theaters for sure oh no absolutely not uh so that takes us to uh the one i picked which i'm so excited about because it's been a long time since we've reviewed just a truly ridiculous film <laughs> and that is seven guardians of the tomb <sighs> your brother called from the research site in china what is it? You hear that too? He's missing. I will find Luke, but I need your help. <sighs> what is this place? Looks like a cave system. No. It looks like a place where spiders come from. What were they building here? There's a legend of an underground tomb built over 2,000 years ago. There was a crawling creature that 
creature's blood yielded an ensign. We're on the cusp of something no one has ever seen before. These spiders are built for breeding and killing. You're playing God with people's lives. This is about becoming God! This place can kiss my... Is like clearly for Chinese audiences. Yep. Um, it's got Kellen Lutz looking intensely at a camera. What has he been in? Uh, I don't know. I feel like he was involved with Twilight somewhere. <laughs> I knew that name from somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think Twilight. I, I know him from Thirty Rock and them making fun of him. Um, but it's the this guy played by Kelsey Grammer goes to this woman and says, your brother was studying something out in the middle of the desert in a cave. We have to, he's missing. We have to go find him. So they drive out and there's some sort of storm and they go into a, a house and then the floor collapses and they're in this cave. And they find this cave is ancient and that there are giant spiders there that contain the secret to, to eternal life. It does. Spiders. <laughs> giant spider, giant spiders, Kelsey Grammer, for Chinese audiences, <laughs> it it looks ridiculous. It's basically it just looks the ridiculous. model that they did with the wall with Damon, uh, Matt Damon, where there's like they get a, a yeah. one or two familiar American faces, and then they just cast the rest of Chinese actors, set it in China somehow, and Chinese audiences flock to these movies. They just and I think yeah. that the Chinese audiences fell in love with Kelsey Grammer after the last Transformers film, which was uh, also very much geared for international and Chinese audiences. Right. I forgot about that. <laughs> um, but, but yeah I mean this is I mean what happened to Kelsey Grammer's career <laughs> well if you want to see Frasier mugging in a camera for an hour and a half you got this movie right here <laughs> and like and like really out acting everybody else on screen <laughs> check out Seven Guardians of the Tomb I'm going to give this a, a give it a buck because if I can get this as a cheap rental or maybe Redbox or something I, I will laugh for an hour and a half so we don't have drunk watch anymore do we uh no we don't uh, well this would have been a drunk watch in our old rating system <laughs> so in a, in a way i'd give it a buck if i was intoxicated there you go, to watch there you go. if you were drunk you'd accidentally spend a dollar yeah, mystery this. science Theater 3000 this movie <laughs> <laughs> and uh and what's our our final trailer in our extended trailer final one we threw it in here at the last minute because i'd forgotten about it but ant-man and the wasp which is uh, yeah. a team up now from the previous movie where you have Evangeline Lilly uh, joining Paul Rudd as the Ant-Man and she's going to be the Wasp. I just have one question. When Cap needed help, if I'd asked you, would you have come? I guess we'll never know. But if you had, you'd have never been caught. I do some dumb things and the people I love the most, they pay the price. Thanks to you, we had to run. We're still running. Let's go. Maybe you just need someone watching your back. Like a partner. Hold on. You gave her wings and blasters. So I take it you didn't have that tech available for me. No, I did. I believe they were married in the, uh, the comics. In, I think so. And so, uh, yeah, it's a I'm re- I really like her. I think she's a great actress and gorgeous, of course. Uh, but it's great that having another female superhero added into the MCU universe because they're kind of light on those. And uh, right. 
you know, because Black Widow has just never been that interesting to hold people's attention. She has no powers, for uh, God's I mean, sakes. Yeah, it has never really been at the forefront of one of the films. Right. And this one, just, it was, the last one was really fun and funny. I wish they had let Edgar Wright do more with it and he didn't have to leave the project because it would have been so great as a full-on Edgar Wright project. Um, right. But it was still really funny. And I, I think they're, they're using great scenes of uh, the shrinking and, and beginning things in the car chase sequence. That's really unique and fun. Oh, yeah, that looks cool. <laughs> and shrinking the building and then p- pulling it up like a suitcase. That was great. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, this this movie looks like it's more of the same of what we loved about the first one. And I'm so excited for it. Yeah, like the whole Deadpool 2 thing. It's like, don't fix it if it ain't broken, you know? Yeah, they're just making another good one. I'm glad. And Lawrence Fishburne's in there for a second. I don't know what he's doing, but. For just a second. Yeah, he's in there. And it's cool to see that like the wasp is has other powers other than this growing and shrinking. So it's going to make it more. It's not going to just be that. Big, right. She's got blasters and which wings. is nice. And wings and all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah. I, I'm definitely. Uh, shut up, take my this money. has a shut up and take my money. Yep, same for me. Shut up and take my money. Uh, OK, so that closes out our extended trailer reviews. Thanks for bearing with us, folks, as we got through some of those exciting new trailers that came out for Super Bowl Sunday. There's a hell of a lot of them. So that brings hell us to some radical recommends. Radical recommends. I recommend. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend pleasant. So what you got for us this week? So this week I've got a Netflix original that got thrown in front of us and we checked it out and I was pleasantly surprised. And that was The Ritual. Oh. Uh, It's about a group of friends who go on a trek through Switzerland in order to mourn the death of a friend who should have been there with them, uh, they decide to cut through the woods on a shortcut and end up getting more than they bargained for. People start disappearing. People start seeing things. They are captured and assaulted by like an occult kind of group and some crazy stuff goes down. And I highly recommend it. So it's actually good. Yeah, it was a good horror suspense. Um, one of my big problems with current horror suspense is that people refuse to make choices. Uh, like, I don't know. Was it real or was it all in their head? If it was in their head, how'd they get these bite marks? I don't know. And I'm like, I don't want to th- You are the filmmaker. You make these choices and then I will watch the movie. <laughs> don't ask me these questions. It should not be on me, your audience member, to decide how the movie ended. That is literally your job. <laughs> um, so I hate that aspect. And this movie made definitive choices. Nice. Like they told you what it was. They defended it. They didn't leave it up in the air. And I really, really appreciated that. Sounds refreshing. Oh, it's very refreshing. A bit scary. So, um, good. So I would put it more in the suspense and full like horror category. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, the ritual on Netflix. Recommend check it out. Well, once again, this podcast is sponsored by Netflix, or we wish, because um, I am I recommending the toys that made us. Have you heard about this one, Steve? Oh yeah, Ann and I watched through. Oh, you watched all of it already. Oh, yeah. Okay. Love it. Yeah, because I've only seen the first episode, the Star Wars episode. Basically, it uh, takes a deep delve into uh, how these toys were uh, brought into brought into being, basically. The, the mass market, yeah. Right, and the story of how they were made and all the trials and tribulations that it took to get them out to the market. And the, so far, the Star Wars one by itself was just fascinating, talking to collectors and how this all worked with George Lucas and uh, the executives, they all to make these plans, and it was so complicated. And uh, it's just fascinating all the money that's made yeah well what i loved is that you know they found out about star wars too late to make it to market on time so they were like how can we make it there on time so like okay so we'll make the figure smaller and we'll use all these pre-done parts 
And then they didn't have them in time, so they sold children these cards that were basically the promise of them receiving toys eventually. Like IOUs, basically. And, <laughs> and it worked. That's the craziest part. It actually worked. Yep. It's hard to believe. Um, but yeah, the, I, I also recommend Toys of Mass. Very Agree. nice. I'm excited to watch the rest of it. Uh, there's uh, one on Barbie, one on He-Man, and one on G.I. Joe as well that were all very good. Yeah. So check it out. So this week we have some feedback from the last episode where we reviewed Star Trek Generations and our ongoing series to review every Star Trek and Muppet film that there is out there. And we got some audio feedback from Sean Vanderloo of the Rusted Robot and Soul Forge podcast, our friend from Timmins, Canada. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and play that feedback now and discuss it after we listen. All right, let's do this. Hey, Stephen German, Sean. From the Rusted Robot Podcast. And the Soul Forge. I have some quick feedback for episode 89, the one where you discussed Star Trek Generations. Okay, just a few thoughts on this. First of all, I didn't like this movie too much until I read the novelization and it filled in a bunch of background pieces in history and, and I liked it a little bit more. It's still not my uh, my favorite. That one is Star Trek First Contact. That's the first one that I saw in the theater, the first Trek in the theater. And I can't wait to hear you discuss that one because that's my all-time favorite. I just love it. But Star Trek Generations, how about that champagne bottle? It's the most majestic yet the most boring opener of all time. I'm not sure if I love it or I hate it, but it is pretty fantastic because you don't know what it is and the music is soaring and then all of a sudden smash and there it is, christening the Starship Enterprise B. So it's pretty cool. Long drawn out, the credits, meh, it's okay. Okay, so the main thing that I wanted to talk about is when uh, Soren says to Picard that time is the fire in which we burn and Picard stumbles and he's taken aback. The whole reason for that, that you guys couldn't figure out, was that you have to remember that Robert and Renee, Picard's brother and nephew, died in the fire back at the vineyard. So that's why that line from Soren affected Picard so much. And the other thing that I wanted to bring up is when uh, Kirk is dying on the bridge and the last line of the movie that he says is, oh my. Okay, so Star Trek Generations took place in 1994. Do we know when George Takei started saying his oh my expression? Did he get it from this movie or did uh, Shatner say it to take the wind out of Takei's sails? I don't know. Who said it first? That's the big question. Can you guys find that out? I'm sure I could Google it, but I don't want to. That's why I turn to a play on nerds for my geeky entertainment. So just to conclude, uh, thanks for doing great work. I hope we can do a crossover episode with you guys sometime soon. That would be fantastic. And uh, until then, keep it nerdy. Keep doing the trailer reviews. Uh, give my apologies to Raul Julia. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Oh, apologies to Raul Julia been too long yeah too too long <laughs> i gotta i gotta smirk off of that too so yeah i didn't think about that with the uh the re the fire that burns forgetting that the fire that does make sense though that is good that, yeah that, that does give context so thank you sean they say time 
is the fire in which we burn. And I don't know about the oh my thing. That's the good thing I'd look into because that's that's funny. I didn't think about that because he did say in an interview that he said oh my because he was seeing the great beyond like like that next step yeah but uh that's pretty oh funny because <laughs> we know that george takei and william shatner notoriously don't do not get along so it's that's true interesting. so maybe it was maybe it was just a we'll to, dig to shake the other one up <laughs> well, that's uh, great. Sean, i'd love to do a crossover episode so uh call my agent <laughs> yeah our people will call your people but uh we'll definitely be in talks about that but thanks so and much then for the people feedback. will do lunch and then we'll do lunch with those people and then people <laughs> And if anyone else wants to send in a little audio clips, that'd be great. We can play them on the show. Yeah, so whatever. We'll play feel whatever. Feel free. Or emails. We're not picky. Anything you want. Uh, and I hope that he said keep doing trailer reviews. And my God, we do some trailer reviews this week. <laughs> yes, we so did. I hope he's happy. Hope you like it. <laughs> so until next time, Internet, uh, as always, we will keep being your nerdy hosts if you keep being our nerdy audience. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. And how.